Anin. Welcome back to the Sober Squad podcast. Today's message of courage, strength, and hope comes from Paul Bearhart, Mr. P. Bunny, Twin Cities Sober Squad. The Sober Squad podcast is sponsored by the Periphery Foundation. The Periphery Foundation shares humanitarian stories, and the proceeds go back to the people and the issues featured in them. Miigwech to the Periphery Foundation. Welcome to the Sober Squad Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, miigwech. Miigwech, Brad, for that introduction. Um, my name is Buzu. My name is Paul. Um, there's in the college names Makwa, Wawaskeshi, Judeam, Chiminenti, and Dunjaba. My colonized name is Paul. Um, Paul Berhard Jr. I am in recovery. I'm enrolled in St. Croix, uh, Chippewa Indians of Wisconsin, but I grew up in Mille Lacs. Um, so pretty much my whole life I've, I've been in Minnesota. Now I am <clears throat> down in Southside Minneapolis doing my, doing my best to stay on my recovery path here um, and trying to you know, stay involved in uh, everything recovery as much as I can. Yeah, so I, um, <clears throat> I've been down here my whole time I've been in recovery, um, which is a little over two years now. Um, I'm the captain of the Twin Cities Sober Squad chapter um, that was uh, started by, you know, a couple friends of, of mine. And it was, um, it was kind of dropped in my lap, you know, um, to handle everything down here and it was it was probably one of the best decisions that i made was to actually start getting involved with um the the chapter and the meeting and you know so i've, I've been keeping that meeting running and amazingly it's uh it's still an ongoing meeting even during this pandemic um 2218 where we hold our meeting is one of the few places in Minneapolis that actually is open for um, recovery meetings. There's a few other spots, but 2218 um, has had its doors open since, wow, since like 1954, I think. So like um, coming up on 67 years, I think uh, that Alano Club has been alive. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a really good honor to actually be part of that uh, Alano Club. Um, we're one of the very few Native meetings in Minneapolis that are still holding um, in-person meetings. Um, all the other ones have switched to Zoom. I chair that in-person meeting. I also chair a an online one too. A, another online Zoom meeting that's located down here in Minneapolis. Yeah, so you've been down there uh, your whole time in recovery. How long you been in recovery? Uh, so I, I came into recovery in um, October, middle of October, uh, 2018. Um, my sober date is October 16th, 2018. And then back at the beginning there, uh, right before recovery started, what, what was uh, your... Uh, lifestyle like where where were you at in active addiction oh wow um yeah so in, in active addiction I um 
I had a very, very small circle of people I kept around me. It wasn't by choice, you know, it was by um, result of my actions. Staying in, staying in active addiction was, you know, something that I guess I didn't fully want, but it was the lifestyle that I was used to. Um, so my lifestyle consisted of, you know, um, staying around a certain group of individuals that, you know, I could somewhat trust. Um, trust is hard when you're uh, in active addiction, um, especially under the influence day in, day out. So my lifestyle was, you know, uh, secluded pretty much. I, um, I tried isolating myself from, you know, families and my family and um, friends that I, that I used to be around while uh, before I really came to grips with my addiction. Um, so yeah, I stepped away from family. I stepped away from, um, you know, my culture. Um, that was probably two of the biggest things that I, I gave up in active addiction was family and my culture. So yeah, my, my lifestyle was, you know, um, doing whatever it took to get my next high or to stay high. A lot of um, burglaries with some people, you know, and it, it just wasn't, um, it wasn't fun anymore. Um, I, I was couch hopping from couch to couch. Um, I ended up in homeless shelters um, way up north. I um, pretty much, I, I burned so many bridges with, you know, people I never thought would turn their back on me. That lifestyle of, a, of, of an addict, you know, was a result of, you know, me losing everything. Um, and, you know, I, I really didn't care at that time. My need to stay high was um, greater than my need for family, culture, friends. Um, yeah, so it was it was lonely, you know, the last couple of years. Yeah, and then getting towards the end of active addiction, what was the point that where you believe that it was uh, time to change your own life? Was it a conscious choice? Or do you end up in a situation that kind of led you towards that path? What was that um, veering away from active addiction like at the uh, at the very early earliest point of your recovery? Um, so it was um, pretty much the nudge of a judge, you know, that that pushed me into recovery. Um, but also, you know, there was. Um, like I said, I had separation from family and friends. Um, I was actually staying in a, um, an old sweat lodge on the Isle Res. And, you know, this lodge was there for like a year or so before and no one ever took it down. And so I ended up, um, staying in that lodge for like, like three weeks straight, you know, um, and no one, not one person knew that I was staying in that lodge. Actually, no, I had, you know, one friend know that I was staying there um, because I was couch hopping and pretty soon my options ran out where I didn't have no one to turn to. Um, you know, I couldn't say that my friends, um, her parents weren't really fond of me. So I, I resorted to, you know, trying to find a place to stay on my own. And I did. 
Um, and so I stayed in this, um, this abandoned sweat lodge for like three weeks. Um, and the thing is, is Isle is such a really small res. Um, it's a small district. I grew up there. I have nothing but family there, um, family and friends, you know, and I couldn't reach out to them because I knew, um, I knew they wouldn't help me. They wouldn't want to help me, you know, because of the situation that I was in, you know, and towards the end there, it was, I was on probation. I ended up getting in, you know, I, I got a warrant and ended up in county for, you know, um, 60 days. Uh, luckily, I, um, um, they put me on Huber and I, I ended up uh, getting out early. Um, I did my time I, and it was like my last probation. I had like, like 54 months hanging over my head. And so it was, it was at that point that, you know, I knew I was on my last leg of probation and I, I just couldn't, you know, next violation, I'm going away for years. Um, you know, I was uh, <clears throat> sitting in on a, a second degree assault with a dangerous weapon charge, you know, that happened in my addiction. And I knew if um, that was only a result of, you know, my addiction, you know, if I wasn't, if I was sober, you know, I wouldn't be out there breaking laws or, you know, getting in trouble. Um, so I ended up, uh, <clears throat> you know, getting sick and tired of being sick and tired, um, having to hide, hide from, you know, people, having to not look people in the eye, um, I carry around so much shame and I eventually, you know, um, so my mom hit me up on uh, Facebook one day and she was just asking how I was, if I was hungry, um, do I need to come over? Do I need to shower? Do I have clean clothes? You know, and my mom knew what I was doing. She knew who I was at that time. Um, and she reached out to me to let me know that, you know, she's still, is there for support no matter what. Um, and she let me know that, you know, I can come stay with her. And she was like, but you know what you got to do. Um, and that was to, you know, get sober. Um, so, so I went to go stay with her and I knew that, you know, just being around her, I wasn't going to be, you know, stay sober. Um, I eventually, you know, I found my way away from her um, and I fell back into, you know, using again. All but while I was at my mom's, um, I set up a, a rule 25, like my my second one, I think of 2018, I set up a rule 25 and I, uh, <clears throat> I ended up going to this rule 25 and I didn't want to ask anyone. I, I figured I could make it there myself. Um, you know, and someone that I used to use with, um, I didn't want to ask them if they could bring me, you know, but they, um, they ended up telling me that, you know, well, if you need a ride to do your rule 25, we'll bring you, you know, don't even worry about gas. Don't, as long as you are getting better and you really want to change, you know, we'll help you out, you know, so that, that meant a lot to me. Um, you know, we stopped at <clears throat> the grand market there and, this uh this individual was out front in the parking lot. They were um smudging 
that day it was like a day after per cap or something um and you know he was smudging everyone that was walking into the store you know even if they didn't want to smudge you know he would be walking up smudging them down and my uh <clears throat> my ride there she she could see that i wanted to go smudge um and she was like well if you feel like you need smudge you know get out there go smudge you know and that was um that was big to me because I, I refused to even put my tobacco out. I refused to um, pray. I refused to smudge while I was, you know, in addiction. And so I, I made my way over to this individual um, and I asked if he could smudge me down, you know, and he looked at me and he was like, um, Paul, right? He was like, they call you Bunny? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm Bunny. And he was like, oh, awesome. He was like, well, he was like, thanks for coming over and, you know, letting me smudge you. And he was like, what are you doing? And I let him know that I was on my way to um, to do my Rule 25, you know, right after that. And, you know, that was a, a huge turning point um, in my addiction right there. Um, and, you know, that person that was smudging me down, that was, that was Colin, Colin Cash. And, you know, that alone um, meant something to me. You know that that brother could. Um, I know he could see the hurt hurt on me. You know, and even though I was, you know, under the influence and in a bad way, he didn't look at me any different than he looks at anyone else. You know, and that that meant a lot to me. You know, in active addiction, we always talk about how we uh, leave the culture alone, and you know, I, I've avoided it too when I was in my active addiction. But there's two instances there where I see where the uh, the Shinobi spirit reached out to you. So of course it was that one uh, when you're smudging right before your Rule 25, and and uh, just thinking about how impactful that would have been right before Rule 25 when you're you know at the at a breaking point right where one you know two different paths we don't need to elaborate on we all know what it is uh, where the crossroads was coming. And then the other part was staying, staying in a sweat lodge. So looking back and staying in that sweat lodge, do you think, or maybe a little thing in the back of your mind saying that the energy from the sweats that was accumulated in that sweat lodge, you know, you know, helped, uh, helped you in any way? Yeah. You know, I, um, I can look back at that now, you know, and I know that, you know, that, that lodge helped me in, you know, more ways than I recognized back then. Um, you know, it, it did, it for sure kept me alive, um, gave me a place to, you know, lay my head and rest if I wanted to, um, you know, and I have to remember that everything happens for a reason, you know. Uh, me not finding, you know, places to go or, you know, bridges burned everywhere I looked. Um, being able to return to that lodge, even though I wasn't, you know, using it in, you know, a way that I thought was, you know, um, spiritual or, you know, um, a ceremony wise, but it, it's still, you know, um, I was drawn to it, I guess, you know, so. Yeah. So, okay. So, uh, getting right into, 
uh, the last parts of your addiction here. There's some cultural elements that are reaching out to you. You're on your way to go to your Rule 25. You end up at Per Cap Patrol at the, at the market. You get smudged down. You hit your Rule 25. Uh, you go to treatment? Um, I got my, um, <clears throat> so I got my results back, um, I think, uh, the following week. Um, I think I got them back on like a Tuesday. I went on my uh, Rule 25 on a Thursday, I think it was. Yeah, so so I got my results back on a Tuesday. And um, so the place I wanted to go, I think, was in Mora, I think, or I forget which one it was, but it was um, it was like a 30-day program. And... I was like, no, I, I kind of don't want to go to that one, you know. So it was advised. Um, they suggested to go to Four Winds or um, Nash, and right away I knew that, you know, well, Four Winds I already went and graduated. Um, Nash, you know, being similar to Four Winds cultural ones, and they're right by, you know, reservations. They're right by. Um, pretty much my comfort zone, you know, even though it's away from where my original comfort zone is, I've seen that, you know, I don't think um, they'd be right for me. I know they're good programs, but I needed something that would actually um, benefit me um, personally. And so I chose to go to um, Delwood in Cambridge. Um, you know, a program that didn't have no any, you know, cultural significance to it whatsoever. Um, something away from my comfort zone, you know. And so I went to Delwood and I, I got there and Delwood was a locked facility. I, I arrived there um, the morning of October 15th. Um, I don't count October 15th as my sober day because I actually used that morning um, smoking weed coming down, you know, I needed something to balance me out. So I smoked some weed. So, but I, um, I checked into Delwood and I asked them, you know, well, how long is this program? Because I didn't even know how long the program was. And I'm like, is it like 45, 60 days? And the lady was like, um, no, this is a 28 day program. And immediately my heart sank. Like it, it, um, yeah, it, it was kind of um, heartbreaking to know that I was, you know, I put my all into getting into treatment only to go to a, um, a 28 day program, you know, and I knew that I needed something a lot more than 28 days, um, you know, so I, I went there and I did the whole program. I ended up graduating. You know, um, and while I was there, that program, Delwood's been around since like 75 or something, been around for like 30 some, little over 30, almost 40 years, I think. Um, so yeah, I ended up uh, uh, graduating and while I was there, that program lost funding. And so it shut down and I was like one of the last ones that was allowed into that program. Um, I graduated and 
I, I really didn't have a plan after graduation, you know, because I was only there like three weeks. Um, and they were like, oh, well, what are you going to do? What's your, um, what's your plan for outpatient? What's your aftercare plan? And I had no idea, you know, there were some programs around the Cambridge area, but they were all, you know, Christian faith, faith-based programs. And that really wasn't my, um, that wasn't my boat. I didn't want to be a part of that. So I started calling around down here in Minneapolis and St. Paul. And um, like back in 2017, I ended up uh, doing an intake over the phone for um, our interview over the phone for Jewel Fairbanks um, in St. Paul, which is a, a uh, cultural based um, treatment. And so I called them and they said that, you know, well, you're still in our, um, our database here, so we can actually get you in um, if you can make it here by Friday. Um, and it was like a, a Tuesday, I think I, I called them and I graduated uh, Thursday. So I ended up graduating and the next morning, you know, um, I got a ride from my roommate at treatment gave me a ride to St. Paul and, you know, brought me to uh, another treatment, you know, so, um, and luckily, Jewel Fairbanks was a 90-day program, so I was, I was happy with that. Um, okay, was, so uh, in your um, treatment times here, um, were you sensing something different? Was there the, the light bulb moment in either of them? What were you thinking of? How, how, how was it feeling to you? Um, so in Delwood, it was, um, I was actually enjoying, you know, um, who I was, you know, I, I got to get a glimpse of, you know, who I could be in Delwood, um, who I, who I could be, you know, um, there was some of the staff there at Delwood that really appreciated me and my presence, you know, and actually made me feel good about myself. You know, I, I got a little um, confidence boost from the staff there and some of the peers, you know, um, I forgot what it felt like to actually um, be liked, you know, by, by people that I, I truly didn't know. So yeah, after that, you know, um, seeing that I could actually, you know, I, I could I could really like, you know, um, recovery. Um, so yeah, that was definitely uh, one of the light bulb areas was, you know, getting a, uh, I guess, a confidence boost from others, I guess. All right, so then you get to Jules Fairbanks and then you're starting a 90-day program. Uh, your mindset, you're feeling different. How was your experience there? Um, so I made it to Jules and um, yeah, Jules is, you know, it's a, um, like a 30, 30 bed facility, but they got like three different houses, you know, and, you know, some of the techs were right away joking with me and they made me feel welcomed, but I was still really feeling out of place, you know, I, um, I'm not much of a, a city boy, you know, so I, I didn't really feel comfortable where I was at, you know, and um, luckily I, I knew, you know, someone in Jules at the time, you know, and he was there like, I don't know, like eight, nine months. Um, 
before I got there, you know, and I have a history with this guy that was there and he, uh, he let me know that it was a really good program. You know, he said, uh, you'll, you'll like it here. Just do what you're told, you know, after a while, everything becomes, you know, you'll get used to, you know, doing everything that you're supposed to be doing right away. You know, I, I got into my program there. I seen, you know, people that were, that um, saying fake it till you make it, you know, I seen a lot of, I seen a lot of that. Um, that wasn't me. I, I can't fake anything, you know, that's just not me to sit there and try to be fake and try to fit in and act like, you know, oh, I'm going to do this recovery thing for the rest of my life. You know, um, I don't, I don't know what's around the corner. I don't know what tomorrow will bring, you know. All I knew then was, all right, I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm liking, you know, this place right now. So I'm just going to see how far I, th- I go, you know. Um, eventually, I, I really started working my program. Um, I started working on myself. Um, amazingly, it was probably one of the best uh, treatment facilities I've ever been to. All right, so then now you're you're wrapping up at Jules Fairbanks. You got uh, about three three and a half months clean by then. Mm-hmm. From there, you, it seemed well. You obviously decided to stay in the cities, right? So from there, um, did you uh, where'd you step out to? Um, so after uh, I finished the inpatient there at Jules, um, they operated outpatient. And by the time I graduated, I was already, I was already, you know, one of the, one of the peers that people that all the others pretty much looked up to and, you know, was influenced by. Um, And I, so I stuck around, Um, I graduated, I got in their, um, their outpatient program, which is a six month, like a four and a half month program. Yeah, I really took off in that, though. I, I really did, you know, what was needed. I ended up graduating that in uh, June, yeah, June of 2019. And then after that, they offer, um, you could go in their ELR, which is their extended living uh, residence. And since I, after I graduated uh, outpatient, I enrolled into college. Um, I, I got back into school. And um, so I was going to school while I was still staying at Joe Fairbanks. And, you know, they offered um, one of the other buildings, the ELR, is for residents who completed the inpatient, outpatient. You know, they, they got their own um, spot there, their own house. So it was like a, a sober living house, you know. So actually, I, I stayed there. Um, until just this past June. So I was there for like almost 19 months, I think. You're, you're, you're going through recovery. It's feeling different for you. Uh, you're starting to take a hold of it, learning new things about yourself. Went back to college now. When things were starting to wind down, the, uh, all the, the inpatient, now the outpatient, where did you turn to continue on um, having some sort of uh, recovery environment for yourself? So 
so after, um, yeah, getting into um, school and getting through my first uh, semester, you know, I, I needed to, I still needed to hit my meetings, you know, and, you know, I was already involved. By the time I got into school, I was already involved with um, chairing the Twin Cities Sober Squad um, meeting. Um, like I said, that was dropped on me, you know, um, <clears throat> The ones that started that move that meeting, so they they left recovery. Um, one of them just left the area. Another one just left recovery, and they pretty much, you know, they they just dropped that meeting on me. Um, okay, so um, you ended up going to those um, um sober squad meetings just uh, by getting your uh, your recovery environment set, right? Yeah. Okay, and then you started going to the sober squad meetings and then the opportunity came for, or the need came for someone to take it over. What were you thinking when uh, when all that was happening, you know, because uh, some people would be like, you know what, the, the fools just up and took off, I'm going to go find a, a different spot. But what was going through your head that was like, you know what, this is me, this is what I'm going to do, uh, this is meaningful. Yeah, so like the first um, few weeks, you know, I, I did my best to run it. You know, I felt out of place. I didn't, you know, it was actually my very first um, outside meeting that I was chairing. Um, when I was um, at Jules, I was chairing an in-house meeting there every week, um, but it, it still wasn't the same. I, you know, I knew the people there in that meeting, um, but once I started running outside meeting, you know, I didn't. There's a lot of people that I didn't know. Um, I was out of my comfort zone again, you know, and so I, I did what was, you know, asked of me, um, you know, service work. And I did my best to keep that meeting running. You know, there was times where I was like, all right, I'm just going to ask this person to chair it, you know, this week and then ask this person to chair it next week. And then this person might be able to chair it. You know, I was trying to think of ways to actually pass it off to someone, you know, but eventually um, that didn't happen. You know, I, I just kept chairing it and chairing it. And eventually, you know, I became, um, I became, you know, dependent on that uh, meeting in a good way though, you know, it was, it was something that I needed, uh, weekly was doing service work and, you know, being able to, I guess, show others, you know, what's, I guess, possible in recovery. And so Sober Squad is, uh, working its way in there. Uh, there's, uh, opportunities, uh, were you taking part in any of the Sober Squad events at this time? Um, yeah, so I think the one of the first um, squad events I went to was um, the walk up in Brainerd. And that was, you know, that was actually a, a spur of the moment um, invitation for me. I didn't know what I was going to be doing that day. Um, that morning came and someone ended up uh, calling me and they were like, well, what are you doing today? And, and I really didn't even know what I was doing that day. And they're like, well, we're on our way to come pick you up. We're going to head up north, you know, for this walk. And I'm like, the Silver Squad one? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, I'm getting ready right now. 
And it was, you know, it was probably one of the funnest days of that summer was I was able to participate in that. You know, I had family that um, joined in on that walk. Um, it was actually our first time, you know, in recovery, both of us in recovery, you know, actually enjoying something, um, having fun in sobriety, you know, so. Yeah, that was a, that was a, a really fun walk, you know, I, I really, uh, uh, myself, I really enjoy the Sober Squad events and, uh, and seeing people, meeting people, um, sharing, uh, sharing perspectives, but then also, you know, bringing the awareness, you know, it's uh, seeing that many people just out because of recovery uh, is something that I need sometimes, and I think uh, everybody takes a lot from it. So Sober Squad has uh, had an, an impact on your journey. You've had your your uh, interpersonal impacts on bringing up yourself. You're being uh, given opportunities of uh, reflection, but then also opportunities for leadership. And, and rather than running from leadership opportunity, you see the need and you take it. So uh, what are you doing now in, in your recovery? You know, we're, we're a couple of years into it now, right? Yes. You're going to be coming up on three years here um, this year? Um, yep. So October, I'll be coming up on three years. Yeah. So um, where are you at now? Like uh, what, what in recovery are you doing now? You're, you're giving back, you're taking part. Uh, what's going on? Um, so now I find myself, you know, trying to give back as much as I can. I still run the meeting weekly, uh, every Saturday. And because of this uh, pandemic that we're th going through, one of our other meetings uh, down here, it's a Tuesday night AA meeting, um, Sal Makana it's called. That one is on Zoom. And so I've been chairing that one since um march you know and that one was kind of dropped in my lap too you know but it's 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 something that again that i needed um they say everything happens for a reason you know and i guess this was you know sort of like an anchor like here you need this right now um this will definitely help you stay in recovery um I do a lot of outreach too. Um, we go out, we, uh, you know, we try to help the, the homeless relatives around here, um, feed them, keep them warm clothes, give them warm clothes, food throughout the week, um, you know, and, and being able to work with them and see, you know, um, even be able to see addiction at work in them you know, I, I, I feel bad for their situation, you know, um, but it, it grounds me in a way that I know that this is what is waiting for me if I'm ever to um, step away from recovery, you know. Yeah, and then, you know, it's like uh, uh, a situation that's specifically meant for you, right? Knowing where you, knowing how far you've come and uh in the past couple of years, going from couch to couch to, you know, sleeping out in the wigwam. And then 
couple years later, you're you're helping the the, the same person out. You know, they're uh, they burned all their bridges too, or they have so much shame they don't want to face the people that they care about the most, right? So they, that 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 just that just seems fitting for you and and the opportunities that you're given that you that you accepted. You know, it's just uh, one of those uh, great things that's uh, just for me looking, watching and, and seeing uh, your your growth, something that was just meant for you, that, that type of uh, giving back. You know, you're, you're not striving forward without looking back on your own life. You're striving forward, looking back on your life, seeing other people there and reaching back for them and, and trying to pull them up with you, Niji. That's powerful. Yeah, that's, um, you know, and there's that, um, that AA saying, you know, um, that uh, there goes I, um, and that's what I see is, you know, that that's me. Um, I, I feel, I understand what they're going through. You know, I, I truly can relate to a lot of, you know, their struggles. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm as human as anyone else is, and I, I can, I can find, you know, myself in a situation similar, um, if I'm ever to return to, you know, that lifestyle, um, if I ever think, you know, I'm getting high one time, isn't going to hurt, you know, I, I know the consequences of, um, slipping and relapsing and failing you know it's a it's a it's an ugly result for me you know i'm one of them addicts where it's um it's not going to be a one-time um use i'm going to keep going um yeah there's going to be a lot of shame if i were to ever slip you know and that's kind of what that's one of my biggest fears you know but it's a it's a good fear you know, I keep that in the forefront of a lot of my day-to-day -day, um, activities, you know, when, when I do, when I'm out there um, on the streets, you know, I, I see that, you know, I'm one decision away. I'm, I'm five feet from the ditch, um, no matter how far down this path I walked. So. Yeah, that, yeah that, that's exactly it, right? Um, having that type of mindset, you know, because in my mind right now, just weighing out all the statistics right i can i can go out and use right now it might be a one-time thing but i know that if i go out there use once i'm gonna start walking on that ice a little bit more i may catch myself slip you know i'm gonna be looking like a dang fool but ultimately you know uh i'm probably gonna start trying to run on that ice and i'm gonna big slip you know feed up over uh scorpion myself and probably uh, you know, really hurt myself or, and then the people walking next to you, right? You're going you know, to take them down uh, with you, push them away, you know, right? So, you know, that, that part is something that's really real. Uh, it, it's not day by day for a reason, right? Yes. Um, you know, that's, that's something that, you know, I am, that I'm thankful for is, you know, the support and 
the people that are with me on this journey. Um, I've, I've met a lot of people in recovery, you know, and, and to be able to sit there and be among them, you know, um, Minneapolis has a, um, a beautiful recovery community here. Um, I've, I've met some, some really, really people I look up to um, that inspire me with their sobriety. Um, you know, and, and I count myself lucky and blessed that, you know, they, um, they treat me like I'm, like I've been here my whole life, you know, um, and it's, it's a good feeling to know that, you know, I, I found a place to actually belong in, um, and actually do some good with myself, you know, so, but I, I'm very thankful for know a lot of the people I've met here in uh, Minneapolis and in St. Paul. Yeah, definitely, Niji. And then being among them, right, uh, uh, being amongst people is one thing, but being present is another. And, you know, wherever you go, uh, your, your presence is felt. You bring, you bring, uh, bring yourself to it, you know, like you, you don't fake it till you make it, you, you do it, right? So um, yeah, your your presence is definitely felt, Niji, and uh, and in the recovery community, uh, all on Facebook, uh, Zoom, uh, wherever you're at, you're you're always bringing that uh, good message. So um, to to get to uh, you know we we got to where we're at where you're at right now. So what 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 do you got in store for yourself um, this year? Um, what, what you thinking? What, what you're going to take on next? Um, so uh, when this pandemic started in March, you know, we started a, uh, um, a meeting page. Um, it was like a AANA Wellbriety All Recovery page that eventually went into a, a Zoom meeting. Um, you know, we didn't actually have no name for it. It was just, you know, uh, all recovery, NAAA, uh, well variety um, meeting. And so I was a part of that in the beginning. Um, and so we needed a name for it. And so I, I came up with, uh, we voted on it. And one of the names I put in was Zooming Towards Recovery. And so that name everyone liked and it stuck. Now this happened in March, um, in April, I think beginning of April, we actually named it. And so that meeting has been going on every day since um, the lockdown um, in March. So we meet every night. Um, and now that meeting is an actual recognized um, NA meeting. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it, it took off. We had a, a voting for, you know, um, service work, uh, the board, you know, and we got a one year commitment to, towards it. And, you know, I was hesitant because I got voted in for co-chair. And before that, you know, they were saying, well, this is a one year commitment, you know, you, you're um, gonna be a part of this for the next year. And I, I really don't like planning ahead like that. I don't like seeing myself. Um, that far, you know, down the line, but I took it. I, um, because I knew I needed it again, you know, everything happened for a reason. 
so yeah trying to expand on that definitely um i i got a few ideas for the st um twin cities squad chapter down here i'm gonna try to do a smudge walk in little earth here um hopefully coming up you know it's um you know, I got a few people asking about that, and that's, you know, one of my goals is to actually get uh, a Twin Cities squad event going, um, and a smudge, mop, a smudge walk would be, you know, a, a good thing to do around here. So, um, but yeah, that, that's one of my main goals for um, 2021, I guess. Yeah, that. It's really awesome, Niji, and uh, I'd like to say Miigwech, you know, Miigwech for your time, Miigwech for your story, and, uh, you know, all, all the work that you do, uh, and all the work in early recovery is foundational uh, for you, of course, but uh, everybody else that you bring out with you, too, so uh, I, I know how, how that is uh, relying on people in early recovery when I was barely, barely able to rely on myself, right? So uh, miigwech for all your work, Niji, and uh, I will I will see you out there. If you got any last uh, ideas that you want to put out into the world, Niji, uh, we can close with that. Um, you know, I just want to say uh, miigwech for inviting me to this. You know, it, it's, um, it's always good to actually vocalize you know what i'm going through what i've been through and what i will be going through you know because until i actually put it out there you know it's it's they're just thoughts in my head but when i put it out there you know it's a um it gets me it gives me a good idea of what i need to do you know and to actually start the actions of that um i guess uh uh a goal without action is just dreams, you know, and, you know, this is an actual goal of mine is to, you know, help around where I can um, and do as much good as I can, you know, with the life that I'm blessed with in recovery. So, yeah, miigwech, though, brother, for uh, inviting me. stuff from these podcasts that's the whole intention behind these podcasts is sharing our sober squad methods and concepts and ideas perspectives eventually we'll be going around and interviewing other sober squad members so same email if you're interested nazike at wangi bamadazing media n-a-z-h-i-k-e at W-E-N-J-I-B-I-M-A-A-D-I-Z-I-N-G-M-E-D-I-A dot com. This episode of the Sober Squad Podcast is brought to you by Wangy Bamadazing Media. Like us on Facebook. Check out our website, wangybamadazingmedia.com. Wangebamadazing Media, Ojibwe knowledge at your fingertips. This podcast was sponsored by the Periphery Foundation. 
The Periphery Foundation shares humanitarian stories, and the proceeds go back to the people and the issues featured in them. One of the stories is about the Wall homeless encampment in Minneapolis. This documentary film has raised money for causes related to Native American recovery and culture, including this podcast right here, Miigwech to the Periphery Foundation. You can learn more at the periphery.org.